I was telling Sherry this morning, I hope God moves because uh, she forgot to come and pray today and have prayer before church. So if God doesn't show up, it's not my fault. It's Sherry's fault. <laughs> so excited to be with you guys this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark is not here, as you know. I was actually thinking about messing with him this morning, texting him and just saying, hey man, I'm really sick. Oh, you did text him. We were talking about that earlier. We were like, hey, we should text him and tell him Jared's sick and he didn't make it. What should we do? But, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't like drive here real fast and try to preach real quick on his vacation. But that would be funny too. Anyway, <laughs> I love messing with uh, Pastor Mark. He's such a um, very strategic personality. I was telling Sarah on the way over here, I think he called me like three times. Just to make sure I was going to show up today, you know, it was one of those like passive things like, hey, don't forget this Sunday, okay, I'm going to be there. Hey, do you need anything for Sunday? Hey, is there anything else? Hey, if you need a PowerPoint for Sunday, I'm like, Pastor Mark, I'll be there Sunday. (laughs) Don't worry, enjoy your vacation, it'll be good. Hey, if you got your Bibles today, we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. It's going to be a great uh, time with God this morning. Hey, listen, I really want to have fun today. I love, uh, I'm, I'm really surprised there's this many people here today. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, something happened with the iPhone. And uh, this morning, we all live by our iPhone. I don't know if you do, but I live by like my alarm on my iPhone. That's how we wake up in the morning. And all of a sudden, 8 o'clock rolled around this morning, and uh, no noise was going on in my house. And then 8, 8.15 or so, my wife's old, old school, like, you know, brick iPhone that she has, the first edition ever, is like right next to the iPod, goes off this morning and it starts beeping. I was like, why did my iPhone go off? So we get on Facebook this morning and like something happened with the app or something. And so nobody's iPhone's working. Did yours work this morning? See, I'm telling you, I'm surprised there's this many people in church or maybe you guys don't have iPhones. That's probably what it is. Y'all are looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's okay. Get an iPhone someday. It'll be amazing. It'll change your life. Um, this morning, we're going to be reading out Luke chapter 18, if you have it. I'm so excited, though, to be here. Listen, I love, I love, I love New Year's. If you don't know me, my name is Jared. I'm the youth pastor. You probably don't see me a lot of times, so if you're new here to the church or you've, uh, you know, you haven't been here in the last couple times I've preached, then you've probably never met before. And the reason why is because I travel a lot. I'm a traveling minister. I run a mission organization as well. So we travel. I was gone for like the whole month of November in Europe, and then I was in Japan for a month this summer. So we just travel quite a bit. So that's why we're not here on Sundays all the time. So if it's your first time to meet me uh, and you're used to Pastor Mark, I'm really sorry. It's going to be crazy this morning, but just strap on in. It'll be fun. We'll have a great time with God, okay? Just shake your head at me, nod a little bit. All right, good. Everybody's here this morning, good. Before we get started, let's open a word of prayer. And uh, I'm sorry I talk fast, too. I don't know where that comes from. I think it's because I have three girls in my house that talk constantly, so I have to keep up. and you know, So that's kind of why I talk fast. But just keep up with me this morning. It'll be great. God will move. Let's open a word of prayer. Father God, we love you. Jesus, I pray that today, God, that you would move in power this morning. God, I don't want to just preach messages just to preach, oh God. God, I want lives to be changed. And so God, I pray that God, we would we would be changed by you today. God, even as I was worshiping this morning, God, I, I really just, I was just really feeling led by your spirit, God. Just that, that God, you want to do something fresh this year in Lake House Church. God, you want to do something fresh in my life. You want to do something fresh in my family and our ministry, oh God, and, and the youth group, 24-7 youth. And, and God, so God, I pray that today, God, that today would be a fresh spark in our hearts, oh God, that something would stir in us, oh God, that we would leave with passion, God, that we wouldn't just leave this building and go out to eat and just live our lives like we always have, oh God, but literally something would change today in us, oh God, and God, I pray that you would just use me, God, I know I'm crazy, God, I know I'm bald and fat, and God, I got all my quirks and all those little things, God, but God, I know that you use some crazier people in the Bible, so God, I pray that today that you would just use me, God, literally just let me be a vessel, God, I pray that I would communicate your word properly, God, I pray that uh, that, that people would hear me correctly, their ears would be open, God, that you would just use me today. And God, I love you, and God, we give you the praise and you the glory for all that you're going to do. In your name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. 
this morning I was thinking, you know, it's New Year's, and so you got to have some kind of new New Year's message. And so I was thinking, you know, it's not, you know, we don't have the 777 thing going, so I can't be doing that. I don't have some great le- revelation about how 2011 is going to be some amazing word. I, you know, I don't even have any of that type of stuff. I just got a simple message to you this morning. I titled it No Regrets. And, and the reason why I titled this is because every year we make New Year's resolutions. And I really think we make them because we have all these regrets. As a matter of fact, I got online last night and I just typed in, what are the top 10 or 15, 20 New Year's resolutions? And I found a top 10 list of New Year's resolutions that people make. And the, and the first thing on there was, the, I'll go 10, go down. The first thing, number 10 was, get organized. I, I think I probably make that every year, and day two, I'm never organized. So, I mean, I don't know why people make these, but I don't even know how you get organized. I haven't even mastered that. My wife's organized. That's what I did. I married an organized person. Number nine, help others. I love that. Everybody always wants to help somebody else. This was the top ten listed. It was like a Times poll or something type deal. Help others was number nine. Number eight was learn something new. Well, I've already accomplished that. I mean, I'm done this year. But they have people like learn languages. You know how many people I like every year I say I'm going to learn Spanish. Still don't learn Spanish. Never happens. But uh, number seven we found in here, get out of debt. I think that's probably everybody in America wants to get out of debt, uh, especially in our economy. Number six, quit drinking. I love that. That's probably like the drunk people that can't spell too. Quit, quit drinking. Number five, enjoy life more. Who doesn't want to do that? Number four, quit smoking. Number two, uh, let's see, number two, or number three, excuse me, was tame the bulge. Uh, that's my New Year's resolution every year since I was five, and it still hasn't happened. Uh, especially middle school. Middle school is brutal. Number two, I was wearing my dad's jeans in middle school. How sad is that? <laughs> I was a fat kid. I should have been on Oprah or some one of those fat TV shows. Anyway, number two, fit and fitness kind of goes along with number, and number one, spend more time with family and friends. This was the top ten New Year's resolutions. And the reason why I, I, I want to talk about this this morning, because I think it's so funny that every year we make a, a list of things that we're, we're going to do better this year. It's so funny to me. I love what, what's funny to me is is we, we make these lists of all the things that we regret that we didn't do the past years, and we're going to fix it. 2011 is going to be the year. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. I know it. God's going to do it. 2012, you know, 2011, I'm going to quit smoking. 2000, I'm going to quit drinking. We, we make all these things, and the funny deal is we, we do good for about three days, and then we get back into our old habits, and we never do it. What's even funnier to me is going to New Year's Eve parties. And like all the people that are like, dude, 2011, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. But man, we got 10 minutes to the countdown and they're at the buffet <laughs> just eating it up. I'm like, dude, you're never going to lose weight at that rate. Or even, I've been, I used to have some neighbors that didn't serve Jesus and we'd go to their kind of house New Year's type deal. And the funny deal was, two, I remember one girl, one lady said, 2000, 2010, man, I'm going to stop smoking. She probably smoked six pack of cigarettes that night. I was like, you were, what are you going to do? Like try to save up for like a week of nicotine or something? I don't know what people think, but it's so funny. Or even like I had, my sister-in-law, I remember this was like 2006 or whatever, she, we were just, my brother and her were dating, and I remember uh, we were sitting there, and we were all having a New Year's Eve party, and she said, man, 2008, I'm going to stop eating sweets so I can lose weight, it's going to be awesome, and I remember we're sitting there at the countdown, and she's running to the table, and she has a pie in her hand, and she's just sitting there with a fork, I'm like, you were never, and two weeks later, she, you know, we're eating pancakes together, so I'm like, you know, it's just, it's so fun to me how people make all these New Year's resolutions and these commitments that they're going to do better at this and, and this and this and this. And really, the reason why we do it is because we have regrets. We have regrets of 
sitting there eating so much food all year long, and that's why we're, you know, a couple hundred pounds overweight. We have so much regrets that, you know, we didn't spend enough time with our kids, or we didn't, you know, we didn't spend enough time with our family, or, man, maybe, you know, we drank too much this past year, and we got drunk too much. And we have all these things that we regret in our life. And really, I think most humans have a ton of regrets. I remember even growing up in my household, my dad, I, I mean, I'm all the way through, through high school and college, I remember... My dad, every time I used to come back from college, he used to say, man, I just, man, I always feel bad I didn't spend, I was too hard on you, son, I was too hard on you. And, you know, I always feel bad we didn't spend enough time together, we didn't do this and this. And finally one day I looked at my dad and I said, dad, listen, you were a great dad. You stayed married to my mom, you treated us good, yeah, yeah, you were a little hard on us, so what, who cares? You know, you, you stay faithful to mom, you treat us good, you taught us the Bible, you took us to church, man, you taught us who God was. You, I'm a preacher, my brother's in children's ministry, my sister's a worship leader, all of us turned out good, nobody's messed up, and you know, you didn't have any crack kids or anything like that. Come on, you did good, Dad, <laughs> who cares if you made a couple mistakes? Get over it. And I said, Dad, every time I come next to you, I don't want you always telling me how bad you feel about life, just get over it, forgive yourself. Whatever you feel bad about, I release you, be done with it. Live your life great, you did a good job. And, and I feel like a lot of humans have all these regrets. And today, I, I titled this message, No Regrets. And as I, was, as I was studying for you guys, and I was praying, and I was just preparing, I found this passage in the Bible, in Luke chapter 18. I want to read it real quick with me, uh, if you will. We'll throw it up on the screen. Oh, good, we got PowerPoint. Here we go. We'll put it up on the screen real quick this morning. Luke chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 18. It says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me a good teacher? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me, Jesus said. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a, great, he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God? You know, if you've been in church any time, this story is a, a very famous passage in the Bible. It's called the story of the rich young ruler. And as I was reading this passage, I started to think about this guy. This guy walks up, basically here's what happens. There's this, Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and you know, I'm sure he was preaching and, and ministering to people. And this, this guy walks up to him, and basically what he says, he says, Jesus, I want to be one of your disciples. I want to follow you. I want to hang out with you. I want to be one of the crew. I want to, you know, can I be part of the posse and hang out with you all the time, Jesus? That's what I want to be. And so Jesus says, well, sure you can. Well, you know, but here's part of what you've got to do. You know, you've got you, you to gotta follow the commandments. You can't commit adultery. You've got to honor your father and mother. You've got to do all these, give him a list. And, and the guy said, man, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Jesus said, great. Here's the last thing I want you to do. I want you to sell all your possessions, give it all up, and come follow me. And this man, I guess he was a very wealthy man, the Bible says. The Bible says he was very sad because he walked away from Jesus because he didn't want to get rid of his finances, basically. And as I think about this man, I've thought about this passage my whole life. I thought about this. Man, can you imagine? This guy gave up following Jesus. This guy could have been hanging out with Jesus. This guy could have been, there could have been 13 disciples instead of 12 if this guy would have just sold everything he had and followed Jesus. Can you imagine what he could have done? There could have been a whole couple chapters in the Bible that this man could have written that we could all be reading today if he would just follow Jesus. Could you imagine the miracles? Could you imagine the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost? It may not have been Peter. It may have been this man who was the one that ushered in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
What could have happened if this guy would have followed Jesus? Can you imagine what he's thinking now? Could you imagine on his deathbed when his grandkids are coming next to him and he's sitting there and, and, his, and his kids say, hey, Grandpa, what did you do with your life, man? Well, I had this you know, nice house and we had this boat and we had all these things, but you know, I had an opportunity to follow Jesus, but I missed it. Can you imagine that? Or can you imagine now? I believe the man's probably in heaven. He was a great man. He loved God. He just wasn't willing to give everything for God. But he, could you imagine him in heaven now? He's just sitting down looking back and thinking, what if? What if I would have followed Jesus? What would have been the possibility? What would have been my life if I would have done this? You know, I don't want to live my life with regrets. I'm still kind of young. I'm, I know I look old because I'm bald and I've got a beard and I'm heavy. But I'm still kind of young. But when I'm, when I'm 60, 70, if I, if I make it that long in life, however long I live, when I'm sitting, you know, I'm lying in my bed and I'm about to die and I'm on the breathing machine or whatever it is, I hope I'm not making it that far, but whatever, wherever I end up towards the end of my life, I don't want to start thinking back in my life and just have all these regrets of things I wish I could have done for God or wish I'd have done better with my family or wish I'd done better in ministry or wish I'd treated so-and-so better so I'd have more friends or had people that didn't hate me. I don't want to have all these regrets in my life. I want to live my life confident that I'm doing something amazing for God. I want to live my life at the end of it knowing that I fulfilled my purpose and who God's created me to be. And so this morning I titled this No Regrets. I was super proud of my father. Um, my dad grew up in a house. There were six siblings, five boys, and one girl, poor girl, she's, she's a mess. And it was a pretty dysfunctional household. My dad was the oldest out of uh, six siblings. So naturally he was, you know, he was the one that kind of did most stuff. And they were real poor. They grew up in a little trailer on a farm that somebody basically let them have. But part of them, uh, part of them getting to live on this land was they had to work the land. So, you know, of course my dad grew up on a farm and he's out, you know, doing chores every morning, that type of stuff, farm type stuff. And, and uh and his dad was real hard. I mean, his dad's real hard. I've only met my grandpa maybe a handful of times, and that was when I was a kid. He cheated on my grandma. Just a real hard guy. Worked in the coal mines. Real hard, real hard, tough man. And um, this past year, man, you know, his dad never loved him really. You know, he just was trying to survive there. I mean, you know, I had six, six mouths to feed plus them. You know, he was just doing his best to pay the bills and all that type of stuff. And, and so... My dad this past year, I was real super proud of him. This past year, my dad's always had this kind of regret in his heart that, you know, he just really never got to communicate how much he really respect, loved, loved his dad for at least providing for him and doing his best. And, you know, I know he made a lot of mistakes. But so my dad said this this past year. He said, you know what, I'm going to fly down. I'm going to get all my brothers together, and we're going to bless my dad. We're just going to speak blessing over him. Even if he doesn't deserve it, we're still going to do it. So he gets all his brothers together. And, and now most of them are serving Jesus, but one of them is totally not serving God at all. And uh, and he gets all his brothers together, and he starts blessing his dad. And he gets them all in a room, and you know they're not really with him. They're making fun of my dad, but he doesn't really care. And my dad just starts speaking life over his father. And you know what? I was super, super proud of him. And then to even top it off even more, the one brother who's not serving God, who has cancer and is about to die, nobody in my family has ever told him about Jesus. And my dad's kind of really been hesitant to tell him about Jesus because, you know, my great-grandpa was a preacher and he used to always preach at him and he hates men of God. And my dad, while he was down there, just pulled him aside one day and said, listen, you're going to hell. You need to serve God. Just had a blunt conversation with him. You're going to hell. And he got mad and cussed out my dad and, you know, all that type of stuff. But the bottom line was I was super proud of my dad. You know why? Because my dad's not going to live with regrets. You know what? My Uncle Eddie, he could choose to serve God or not serve God. But when he gets to heaven, he's not going to say my dad didn't say anything to him. 
and my dad's not going to get to heaven, God's not going to say, why didn't you say something to your brother? I'm super proud of him this past year to stand up like that in front of his whole family and say, hey, listen, we're going to be men, and we're going to at least do something right in our family. We may have done a lot wrong, but we're going to do one thing right. And you know what? I'm super proud of that. I want to live my life like that. And this morning, I wrote down how we can live life without regrets. And this morning, if you got some notes, man, I think it would be really good for you to take some notes. I really felt like as I was praying for you guys, I mean, this is stuff that, man, God was just downloaded for even my personal life. And I just want to share it with you this morning. The first thing I wrote down, living lives, a way to live our life without regrets. The first thing I wrote down is we've got to live holy. The Bible says, Jesus says this in 1 Peter 1.16, and it's a quote out of the Old Testament. It says, for it is written, be holy because I'm holy. God tells us to live holy lives. You know what? If you want to live a life without regret, you've got to live a holy life. We can't have our life full of sin and junk and all that stuff. Man, that's why, you know what, you know what sin does? It steals our passion. It steals our joy. I was listening to a teaching on, uh, by Robert Morris just the other day, and he was talking about how sin literally corrupts our joy. When you see somebody that's unhappy, most times it's because they have sin in their life. They have something that's eating them away, and it's hard to have joy when you have sin. And literally, you know what, people that, people that you know, are, I look at people that are unhappy people and I look at people that are just kind of mean people, you know what, it's because they have all this sin and this junk in their life. You know what sin does to us? Sin stops us from moving things forward. You know, it's, it's hard for me to prophesy when I got sin in my life. It really is. It's hard for me to go tell somebody else about Jesus when I know I got a bunch of junk in my life. It cripples me. It literally stops me from moving things forward in the kingdom of God. We've got to live holy. If you want to make your life count and do something great for God, if you want to make something count, if you want your kids to serve Jesus, you know what? You need to be a man or a woman of God and live holy. I'm preaching to myself, too. I mean, i got sin. I'm not perfect. I'm thinking to myself, man, I want my little girls to, to, to want to to be like their daddy, to want to find a man of God like their dad. Well, I've got to be that man if they're going to find that. They've got to look at their dad and see a man of God. You know, I've got to live holy. I've got to live my life holy. I was thinking about... In today's society, as we look at ministers, man, and we look at preachers, man, there's so many people that are falling, man, falling into sexual sin. I mean, it's every day somebody's getting divorced, and I'm looking at that. And I'm just thinking in my life, man, who, who can we follow? <laughs> I mean, one, we've got to follow Jesus, definitely. But, I, but the other side of it, too, is, man, in Christian communities, I, I just can't even find anybody that, that's living like that. And you know what? I don't want to live my life and live so full of sin at the end of it all, have all these regrets of things I knew God called me to do that I didn't do because of sin that stopped me from doing it. I was thinking about, even this morning on the drive over here, I was thinking, you know what? I, I can't even really pinpoint too many ministers in my life that I would say are holy ministers. That I know that lived their whole life and died in that. I was even thinking all the way over, the, the only one that just came, popped in my mind, first thing was Mother Teresa. I was thinking, seriously, I was thinking, man, Mother Teresa, nobody said anything about her. I never heard a scandal about Mother Teresa. Access Hollywood never had a scoop on her. <laughs> seriously, I never got nothing on Mother Teresa. If y'all got it, let me know, because I want to see it. But, but I never, or Billy Graham, man, I never seen anything on Billy Graham. Billy Graham, thousands of people have come to Jesus because of Billy Graham's ministry. I've never heard a scandal on him one time. You know what? It's because there's something they lived holy. They lived their life. They, they did their best to fall out Jesus. You know what? I know we're not perfect. I know we're going to make mistakes. But when we make mistakes, dude, let me tell you, you need to fix that quick with God. You need to fall on your knees and say, God, I need you. Because let me tell you something. We've got to live holy lives. God says live holy because I'm holy. If we, want, if we want to do something great with our life, if you don't want to look at the end of your life and have all these regrets, live holy. I'm preaching to myself. We've got to live holy. second thing I wrote down this morning Ways to live your life without regrets is do your best to fix past mistakes. 
You know, as Christians, I think we fall in this trap where we feel like, well, we ask God for forgiveness. He forgives you. Yeah, He does. But you need to go fix what you did wrong, too. We've got to fix our past mistakes. If, man, if you made somebody mad and they hate you because of it, you know what? You need to go fix that with them. At least try to. You know, some people you just can't fix stuff with. I've tried to fix some stuff with people that I've made mistakes in, and they just don't have it. But you know what? At least I did my part. If you're going to hold that bitterness against me, that's your fault. But at least I tried. I asked for your forgiveness. If you choose not to forgive, that's your business. But we need to do our best to fix past mistakes. If you, man, if, you were, if you've been hard on your kids and you still have kids at home, fix it. Man, let me tell you something. You, you may only have a couple more years with them. Fix it. I, I've done youth ministry now for about eight or nine years. And let me tell you something. If, if parents, even though their kid's 15, if they would just try to fix some of the problems that they've done, if they would just come to their kid and say, hey, listen, I've screwed up. I'm sorry I've been a bad dad. I'm sorry I've been a bad mom. Listen, I know I shouldn't have cussed you when we grew up. I know that I've set a bad example in my house. I know I've drank. I know I've smoked. I know I've done all these things. I know I made mistakes. But listen, I'm trying to do better. Will you forgive me? If you would sit down and have that kind of conversation with your teenager, I promise you it will change their teenager life. My dad did it with me one day. My dad sat down with me one day and said, will you forgive me? Let me tell you something. When my dad said, I'm sorry and will you forgive me? I made a mistake. Let me tell you, it changed my life. Because I saw my dad was a real man. And I'll tell you what, I forget. I was sitting with the minister this past, uh, I, when I was in Europe this past uh, month ago. And I asked, anytime somebody I see has a good family, I say, what do you do? Anytime a kid, he has all his kids are out of high school except for one. And all of them are love Jesus and super love their family. They want to come home for Christmas. I said, what do you do? And so he's giving me a list. And I'm, I got my iPhone out. I, my wife, somebody told me the other day, isn't that rude to be typing on your iPhone when somebody's talking? I said, not when you're trying to get download from God. <laughs> I was like hanging out with Yoda, man. <laughs> I was like, dude, what else do you have, bro? I mean, the, I have like six pages. You keep scrolling from everything he said. Anytime he talked, I was just typing. Yeah, oh, that's good. And he gets points, too. He's like, let me give you four things you can do to be a better dad. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do those tomorrow. You know, it's just great. I mean, it's good stuff. And I've done one of them. But, um... But my point was, and so I asked him, I said, what did you do in your family? What have you done? He said, you know, the, the thing that changed, he said, when he said his oldest son, he said his oldest son was about eight or nine. He said, you know, he goes, I, he goes, I, I noticed that my son felt like he couldn't express himself. And, you know, there were some things he, he was getting mad at me about and he didn't know how to communicate. So he said, you know what we did? Once, probably about once a month, we'd sit everybody down in our family and we'd have forgiveness night. And he said, what we do is, he said, we get everybody in a circle, and he, we would say, listen, what are you upset about? It's free. Nobody's going to get a whooping. Nobody's going to get grounded. Whatever you want to do, whatever you're mad about, you just tell everybody, whoever it is, you say whatever you're mad about. But here's the deal. At the end of it, you've got to forgive them, and we're going to pray together over it. And so he said, man, they should tear the circle in. Hey, Dad, the other day when you told me to go clean the grass, and I said, uh, you know, I'll do it later, and you yelled at me, you know, that made me upset, and I, I've been mad at you ever since. Will you forgive me? Yeah, I'll forgive you. And they pray together and hug each other. He said, it changed our whole family dynamic. I was like, I'm doing that. That was great. Changed my life. But you know what? He started to fix past mistakes. Let me tell you something. You need to go back and fix mistakes. If you made mistakes, fix them. I was... I was on a trip this past year, and I was hanging out with this great ministry, man. The, the ministry is really good, and uh, they're doing some great things for God. They're a real big ministry. In the middle of hanging out with them, though, I was sitting there, and, and this guy is just doing some amazing things for God. He's traveling all over the world. And, and as I first met the guy, I was like, man, I really I want to be like this. I'm going I'm to I'm change my life. I want to be like this man right here. Day one, day two, I was hanging out with him and his ministry and just having a blast hanging out with him. And as I started to really get to get, know the guy's schedule and what he was doing and how he was traveling, 
And I started to meet his family a little bit. And, man, I looked at his wife and how she looked at him. And she really didn't have that, like, spark in her eye that she was super in love with him. God spoke to me. He said, Jared, you don't need to be like that. You are like that right now. You need to change who you are. And what I realized in the middle of it was, being with this guy and seeing how he's ran things, dude, he's done some amazing things for Jesus. But you know what he's done? He's lost his family in the middle of it. Because he's gone all the time. And I started to look at my own life, and God spoke to me this past year. He said, Jared, you travel way too much. You need to slow it down and start spending more time investing in your family. And I'll tell you what, ever since then, you can ask my wife. I, I came home, I, told her, I said, baby, I made a mistake. So the last six years, I've been trying to push the ministry so hard and do things great for God. So I want to make my life count and do something amazing for God. You know what? I've neglected our family. I'm slowing it down. And we have. I already started changing my life around. Christmas, I didn't do nothing over Christmas. The last three weeks, I've been sitting on the couch. All right, Zoe, tell me that story one more time, baby. You know? Let's color the Barbie book one more time. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I'm trying, I, I don't even know how to do it anymore. You know, so, and Zoe's just talking and talking. You know, it's awesome. Raymond's jumping on me. It's just awesome. But you know what? I'm trying to fix. And I can't fix it all in, in a couple months, but you know what? I'm starting. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cha- rechange my life. Fix past mistakes. The third thing I wrote down in living life without regrets is choose God's way, not your way. Let me tell you something. God has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. Now, God's plan may not be the easy plan, and God's plan may not be the most desirable plan, but dude, choose God's way, not your way. I'm telling you right now, you've got to choose God's way, not your way. If you want to make your life count, choose God's way. There's so many people out there that God puts these offers. I was, I was, I was actually hearing a man preach not too long ago, and he, uh, he runs a, a, I can't remember the name of the missions organization, but he runs this organization, and basically, I travel the road. They go around filming places up in the mountains, and they're like, they're up in all kinds of areas. Anyway, he, he was a businessman before that, though he was making millions, making lots of money. And he had a couple, he had a, he had a little empire that he was building up. He said one night, he was sitting in, he was somewhere in Europe, he said he was sitting, traveling, doing a business meeting, he was sitting there, and he was praying, just having his quiet time, overlooking the city on his balcony, and he said, all of a sudden, he just had this open vision from heaven, where God just showed him these two paths. He said, he'd keep down this path right here, and his business empire would keep growing, he'd be a multi-multi-millionaire, or he could start this whole filming deal, basically sell all this and give it away, and just travel the world, and just minister to people in these remote Indian villages, and get it on video. And God said, and he really felt like God told him, he blessed you the one he wanted to do, but Whatever he wanted to do. <laughs> and this guy was talking. He said, you know what? He said, I felt like God's plan was really this. And he said, so I started changing our whole church. I sold all my business. Sold everything he had. He's on his way to be a multimillionaire. Sold it all. And now he just travels the road and just preaches to these remote villages up in India, wherever he's at, up in the mountains, filming it. I just thought to myself, you know what? That's a man that's going to live with no regrets. Because he chose God's way, not his way. You know what? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having lots of money. Man, I'd love to have lots of money. If you've got lots of money, give it to me. But here's my deal. If that's what God's called you to do, do it. Somebody needs to fund the kingdom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, there's nothing wrong with having money. That's not what I'm saying at all this morning. But you know what? That's who God's called you to be. If you think like a businessman, if you're, if you're wired like that, and that's who God's created you to be, be that, man. But choose God's path, not your path. You know, I met so many people who work job after job after job, and they're so miserable. At it. You know why? It's because they haven't chose God's way. God's wired you to do something in particular in life. And you know what? You've got to figure out your purpose and what God's called you to do and do that. And not just do what you need to do for finances or do what you need to do just to pay the bills. You know what? Skip all that junk. If I'm just living my life to pay the bills, dude, 
That's meaningless. That's worthless. I want to do something that God's coming to do. I want to wake up every morning excited about what I'm doing. If you don't know what it is, pray. I'm, I'm in that position all the time. I'm like, God, is this really what you call me to do? Because living by faith is hard, God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Living the way I'll be living. Now, God, you sure? I'm passionate about it, but God, you sure? <laughs> you know, choose God's way. It works out every time. I was talking to a young man just, just not too long ago, and, and man, this young man's a great guy. He has great potential to do some amazing things for God, and, and he really felt like he just had this call to do missions, and so he wanted to talk to me about it. And he, he, we were having this conversation, and, and man, I could see the call of God all in his life. But you know what? He also has this desire to get married. And there's nothing wrong with getting married. But I looked at him, and I thought to him, I was like, dude, it's not timing, because that's what you're focused on. Your whole life is just consumed with marriage. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It just has to consume with, because he, he has this need in his heart to get married. And I was looking at him, and I had this conversation with him afterwards. Me and my wife were talking. I said, you know what? I said, he's going he's gonna to spend his whole life focused on trying to get a wife. And if he would just pursue the call of God in his life and what God has for him now, I said, God will work out the rest in the middle of it. But you know what? Choose God's way. It works out better in the long run. Because I have this bad feeling, and it may, not, it may not work out. I don't know. I'm not God. But I have this bad feeling he's going to end up circling for the next couple months. He's going to sit around for the next year, maybe two years, waiting on some girl to come along when he could be doing what God's called him to do now. He can fill in God's purpose now in his life. And when God's timing for the relationship comes, It'll be the right timing. Choose God's way, not your way. The next thing I wrote down, y'all got to stay with me so we can get out to, to Smash Burgers today. The new restaurant I open up is going to be amazing. <clears throat> Number four. <laughs> Live your life with no regrets. The fourth thing I wrote down, surround yourself with good teammates. Man, you got to have some good teammates. I use the old school term, teammates. You know, I didn't even play any sports, but I, I use the old school term for you guys this morning. Surround yourself with good teammates. Listen, if you want to live your life with no regrets, you've got to have some people to help you get there. Life is hard. I met this pastor one time. <laughs> He's a great pastor, but he, he was full of it. And he, uh, he sat down with him. And I remember I was in college, and I was in Bible school, and I asked him, I said, I said, Pastor, I said, what's the toughest thing you've ever had experience about ministry? And he said, let me tell you something, son. I used to work on the railroads back in the day. When they, you know when the railroads, you know what a railroad is, son? <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, I don't know what a railroad is. I've never been on a train. I don't even know what a train is. We don't I have a car. And so, uh, you know, he's trying to explain. He goes, I worked on, and I remember we laid tracks every day. And I'll tell you, I almost died because the train be coming. We'd be laying the tracks and people swinging hamburg. Now, that's hard work. Ministry's a cakewalk. I don't care what anybody says. Anybody tell you anything, give me a cakewalk. And I'm like, dude, let me tell you something right now. I've been doing ministry eight years. Ministry's harder than anything in the world. People stabbing you in the back. I'll be getting shot by Christians. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I thought we were on the same team. <laughs> but let me tell you something right now. you got to have some good teammates. Because I'll tell you, the only thing that's kept me loving Jesus, besides my beautiful wife, which is on my team, is some other friends around me, and some other mentors and pastors over the years that said, you know what, keep going. You can do it. Hey, let me help you in this situation. Hey, you need some finances right now? What do you need? I, I, had, a, I had a spiritual mentor of mine one time. I, I couldn't pay my bills. I just, on this faith journey, man, and he knew it, and I knew it, and he, I just told him, I said, man, I don't know what to do. I said, I'm in this place. He said, how much do you need? Wrote me a $1,000 check right there. Here you go. Hand it to me. You know what? That's what a teammate's for. That's what the body of Christ is for. When someone else is suffering, we say, hey, what can I do to help? Seriously. And let me tell you something right now. If you want to live your life without regrets, you've got to have people to help push you. Man, there's so many times I've thought about giving up. And then I've just had somebody that came along that was a friend of mine say, hey, bro, let me tell you, you can do it. I've had, I had people call me up at nighttime, man, just prophesying over me. Hey, listen, I've got this word for you. You know what? And that word kept me going another week, another month. You've got to have teammates on your team that help you. 
so you can live life with no regrets. And the last thing that I wrote down for us this morning is don't be a quitter. You know what? There's too many quitters in the world. Especially in this younger generation, man. It's the thing that, I, that drives me crazy about a younger generation, I love them with all my heart, but it, it almost makes me mad sometimes. I just get like angry mad about it. I'm like the Hulk. I just get angry. And uh, it, it really does because this whole generation, when anything gets tough, they just give up. That's why they can't hold down a job. Seriously, they can't even hold down a job at McDonald's half time. It drives me crazy. I'm like, why'd you quit McDonald's? Well, my boss, he got upset because I was on my phone when on the drive-thru and I didn't get the customer. And he yelled at me and told me he was going to get mad at me. So I just said, skip you and I quit. I'm like, well, get off your phone. <laughs> I'm like, they're paying you to work. That's why I can never get my hamburger on time because people are like you. I understand. I would have fired you too. You're lucky I didn't fire you. You quit. I would have fired you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would have taken the phone thrown out the window and then fired you. You know what I'm saying? My point is, this generation, anytime anything gets tough, they just quit. It's because of lack of fathers, but I don't have time for that whole message today. Don't be a quitter. There's so many people in the world that quit every time things get tough. And you know what? Those people, when they're on their deathbed, they're going to have so many regrets in their life. Because they quit on God. They quit on their family. They quit every time they try to break an addiction. And the first time they fail, they quit again. Oh, I'm just, I'm just a loser. So they just quit. You know what? Don't be a quitter. I was preparing this message for you guys yesterday. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm ADD a little bit. But I was—I can't like really in my house. I got you know it's just it's just weird at my house sometimes to try to prepare. So I I go to a, I go to Starbucks and I like I'll pray and then I go to Starbucks and something about the people walking around and the noise. I'll put my earphones in and I just I just I zone in. It's weird. I don't know what it is. I got my laptop. <laughs> so I go to Starbucks yesterday. And <clears throat> And most of the time, everybody leaves you alone at Starbucks, and that's why I like it, because the people there, so it kind of helps me with my ADD. I can focus on other things, but still focus. If you're not ADD, you'll never understand. And, uh, and then, but I have my earphones in, so I can just kind of tune everybody out, too. It's weird. It just helps me. And um, so I go in, I sit down, I'm pulling out my computer. This old lady, probably in her late 50s, maybe 60s. 70s, 80s, older. She's about to die. She's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Woo. I'm going to take a sip of water on that one. There's nothing wrong with being old. Enjoy it. Older. Man, when I'm old, I was at a wedding just recently, and this guy walked up in boxers and a sports coat, and he called that an outfit. And I'm like, man, why can't I get away with the socks up? You know, the southern wedding with the socks up. I mean, they were shorts, but they look like boxers. But anyway, my point is when I'm old, I'm going to be doing whatever I want and, and taking names. I mean, anyway, my point being, so I'm going to be that guy wearing, like, you know, no clothes. Hey, God, oh, whoops, I forgot clothes. I'll just be that old man. But anyway, Sorry. God, come back, please, Jesus, come back. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting in Starbucks with this, this little bit elderly lady. She was aged a little bit. <laughs> she was older than me, and uh, she had definitely been around the block a couple times. Let me tell you that. She's lived some life. And... Um, <laughs> And so I'm sitting there and I, I pull out my laptop and, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in the mood with Jesus. I've been praying all the way to Starbucks. I pull out my laptop, I put my ear, I'm getting my earphones out, about to put them in. I put my first one in and she says to me, she goes, she goes, do you always bring your laptop to Starbucks? And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, she's one of those people that wants to talk about something like 
I, there's always just the talker person. I'm like, I'm here to prepare. I need to focus. She wants to have a conversation. And so I'm like, yeah, I always bring my, I always bring my laptop to Starbucks and I go to put the other earphone in. And she's like, why do you do that? I'm like, well, because it helps me. You know, I just, I just how I do my work. And she goes, well, what do you do? I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm not going to get anything accomplished today. I know it. I know it. I'm not going to get anything accomplished. I go, well, actually, I'm a minister. And I'm hoping, most of the time when you pull the minister card, people don't want to talk to you anymore because they know you're going to talk about Jesus. So I'm like, I'm going to throw the minister card. I said, well, actually, I'm a minister. And this is where I come to prepare my sermons. And she goes, oh, really? I'm in Bible college. I was like, oh, Jesus, she's a Christian. Snap. <laughs> I ain't getting out of that one. I should have said, I should have said uh, nothing. Put my earphones in real quick, you know, something. And I says, oh, really? And, you know, I saw her books, and she had the Old Testament survey books. I said, well, what Bible calls you go to? She goes, well, I go to Christ for the Nations. And I was like, oh, I live there. And so, anyway, so I was like, oh, that's great. I, I, I teach some classes there. I live there and, and so forth. And she goes, oh, really? So what do you do? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm not going to get anything accomplished today. So anyway, so the conversation starts going. Next thing you know, come to find out, this lady packed up her whole life. I've got the whole life story. She packed her whole life up, moves from New York, because God told her to, to come to Bible college so she can get trained to go be a missionary, because she wants to be a missionary in Ireland. And let me tell you, this lady's going to be a missionary in Ireland. I don't care how she gets there. She's going to rob, steal, rob a bank. I don't know how she's going to do it, but she'll get there. She's one of those people. <laughs> she's not. And so anyway, she starts telling me. And so I said, you know what? I know this great organization called PACE. And there's a girl named Sabrina. I gave her your phone number, by the way. <laughs> I did, too. I said, you know what? They're doing some stuff in Ireland that would be amazing. Maybe you could connect with them. And so I gave her a phone number. But you know what impressed me about this old lady? Elderly lady. This lady who's a little bit aged. You know what? She's probably, really seriously, she's probably close to 60. And you know what? She is not quitting. I don't know if her husband died. I didn't get that far in life. I, did, I was kind of trying to finish the conversation up. I don't know really what happened with her life. But you know what? She packed it all up, moved from New York to Dallas. She had a home. She said she sold her house. She said she sold half her stuff so she could move to Bible school. She's, good, she's been at Bible school for two years. She's finishing up to get her third year mission. She's already been on a couple mission trips with the Bible school. She's finishing third year school missions, and then she's going to Ireland. And let me tell you something. She'll make it to Ireland. I don't know if it's with Pace. I don't know who it's going to be with, but this lady will make it to Ireland. She had that look. If she doesn't die before she makes it to Ireland, she will make it to Ireland. <laughs> but I loved it. I, you know what I loved about her, though? I'm serious. I loved it because I was thinking to myself, I was thinking to myself, you know what? Most people just give up. Most people just say, you know, it's time for retirement. I'm going to enjoy life. Not this little lady. She's still going to do something amazing for God with whatever years she has left. Maybe she has 20, 30 years. I don't know. Whatever she has left, she's going to do something amazing for God. And I'm not saying you have to go be a missionary on the mission field in Ireland. All I'm saying is do whatever you've got to do with your life with what God's called you to do. And don't give up. Don't be a quitter, man. When things get tough, don't quit on God. I met so many people. Man, I, I hear stories all the time because I'm in ministry. I hear stories. I'm talking to people, and the first thing you do, I'm on a plane, and the first thing you say is you say, minister, oh, I don't like God. I used to be a Christian, but I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't want nothing to do with God because so-and-so. You know what I thought to myself? I don't care what your excuse is. Don't quit on God. Because at the end of your life, you'll regret it. And when you die, you'll really regret it. Because hell will be waiting for you. I don't want to live life with regrets. Man, when I'm 65, 80, however long I live my life, 
and I'm sitting on my deathbed, you know what? I don't want to have I don't want to have all these regrets. Man, instead, I want to have all these things that I've done amazing for Jesus. Man, I want my family to love me. I want my little girls to man think I'm the best down in the world. I want my little girls to stay pure to the day they're married and marry some great men of God, man. And, and I don't care what they do with their lives, but I just want them to pursue whatever God's called them to do. You know what? I want to live my life with no regrets. And same for you. You know, we're hitting 2011. You know what? Live without regrets. If you made some mistakes, go back and fix it. I don't care how big the mistake you made. God can forgive you. And if those people won't, at least you tried. You know what? If you got some problems with your kids, you know what? Try to fix it. If they're in your household, man, let me tell you something. You don't have much longer. They grow quick. I have a five-year-old who will be six on Wednesday and a two-year-old. And every time, it's like every year I look up and I'm like, whoa. I was looking at pictures of them the other day when, when they were a baby and I couldn't even tell which, which girl was which. I was like, well, I don't even remember that. Where was I? I? I was there. I'm in the picture. <laughs> I don't know. I remember that. <laughs> you know, it just happens. Life is just moving. I mean, it just seems like yesterday I was in my parents' household, you know, eating their free food. And now I've got to pay for mine, you know, and my kids. <laughs> life moves quick. You know what? I don't want to live my life with regrets. We have one shot at it. You know what? Make it count. Make it count for Jesus. You know what? If you've got some New Year's resolutions this year, you know what? Do them. You know, if they're just stupid stuff, you know, whatever, you know. But if they're really God things that God's challenged you on because you know you need to fix them, you know, start working on them now. Let's not look up 2012 and say, man, I wish I'd have, man, I wish I'd been a better dad in 2011. Man, I wish I'd have quit drinking. Man, I told God I was going to quit drinking this year and I still hadn't done it. You know what? Do it. Quit talking about do it and do it. And don't be a quitter. Just because you fall down one time, make a mistake, don't quit. Keep pressing through. Listen, I want us all at the end of our life, to be able to look back and say, you know what, I made a couple mistakes along the way, but you know what, I did some amazing things for Jesus. You know what, I was a, I was a killer parent, man. I did some good things. I did some bad things, but I did a lot of great things too. Live your life without regrets. Father God, I love you this morning. Oh, Jesus, I'm so in love with you. And God, this morning, I want us to live our life without regrets. Jesus, Jesus, I want us, God, at the end of our life to say, man, we made our life count for you. This morning, if there's anybody in this place, with everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, if there's anyone in this place that say, Jared, man, listen, this morning you're talking about living your life without no regrets and you're talking about your love for Jesus. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day you need to know Him. Start the year off right with knowing God. Listen, let me tell you something. Your biggest regret one day will be not knowing God. Because the Bible says on Judgment Day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that God is Lord. So if you may not do it now, you'll have to do it one day when we get to heaven. And listen, the consequence, I don't want to be, I don't want to scare you this morning, I just want to speak truth to you. The consequence, if you choose not to serve God, is eternal life in hell. And everybody knows what hell is if you've been in America. And you don't want to go to hell. And I'm not just trying to get you fire insurance today. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. Because let me tell you, when you serve God, your whole life will change. Now, I'm not saying it's going to get better. And it's not like, you know, all of a sudden I become a millionaire and I get, you know, gumdrops and marshmallows every day. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's even harder because the devil hates you even more and he's trying to get you to serve him again. But you know what? One thing great about God is he's there for you. If you really choose to serve him, if you really give your life to him, you know what? He's the best decision I've ever made. And you know, in those moments when no one else loves me, I know God loves me. You know what? I know that one day I don't have to live in this, uh, this body anymore. I get, a, I get a super gorgeous body up in heaven. It's going to be amazing. Listen, today, if you don't know Jesus, before you leave this place, I want to encourage you. Give your life to God. With any, everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed. No one looking around. If you say, today, Jared, I don't know Jesus. And today, before I leave, I want to know God. I'm not a real Christian. 
man, I want to be a real Christian. If that's you, with no one looking around, everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed, I just want you to lift your hand so I know who to pray for this morning. Is that anybody here today? Say, man, I don't know God, and today I want to know God. Is that anyone? Just lift your hand up where I can see it. Put it back down. We're going to move on. Anybody across the room? Don't leave today not knowing Jesus. Give you two more seconds. We're moving on. Two, one. Great. That means most of us are Christians in this room. Or you're just not ready to make a decision for God. And that's okay. I'd rather you make a real decision than just say a little prayer and not really mean it. With everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed, this morning as I was preaching on no regrets, I want to pray over you today that you would live your life without regrets. And listen, as I was talking this morning, and I, I talked about you know living holy and, and fixing mistakes. If you've got some stuff in your life that's not right with God, as I pray this morning, I want you just to commit that to God where you sit. I'm not going to call you forward and all that. I just want you to say, God, forgive me of this. You know, as we're sitting here today, if, if you're sitting there and you say, you know what, Jared, I really just, man, I, I need to go back and fix some stuff. You know what, I want you to commit in your heart today that you're going to fix it, and you leave this place and do your best in this next week to fix it. It might take you two weeks, but I want you to fix it. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a sit-down conversation you need to have. Maybe it's maybe it's you need to sit down with your kids and say, "Hey, listen, I've done some things wrong, but we're going to change some things in our household this year." You know what? Maybe you need to maybe you need to quit smoking this year. Maybe you need to quit drinking. Whatever it is for you, whatever mistakes you made, you need to go back and fix them. Let's start fixing them this year in 2011. As I pray, you make a commitment in your heart. Maybe you've quit on God. Man, today's the day to re-spark that and say, "God, forgive me for being a quitter. I'm going to start back up today." We'll start serving you. Father God, I pray over my friends in this room, Jesus. God, I pray that today, God, those that haven't been living holy, God, there's times in my life where I haven't been living holy. And God, right now, we just come before you, God. We say, God, we got to live holy. God, you're holy. And God, you want us to be like you. And so, God, this morning, God, I pray if there's any sin in our lives, God, you would just forgive us. If you, if you have some stuff you need to deal with, God, you just begin to deal with it. Just between you and God, sitting right there. Father God, just come and consume us, oh God. Begin to wipe away that sin, oh God. Begin to wash us clean. God, begin just to purify our hearts. God, as we start 2011, God, let us start 2011 pure. God, let us start 2011 without guilt and shame and, and baggage holding us down. God, we want to be right with you. God, if we have some stuff we need to fix, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to fix it. God, I know it's not easy sitting down with somebody and saying, hey, listen, I'm sorry for what I did. I know it's not easy, you know, having to write an email to somebody apologizing. God, I know it's not easy sitting down with your family, the people that know you the most, and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to change. God, I know, God, those things. But God, whatever mistakes we made, God, I pray that we go back and fix them. God, maybe it's, maybe it's something that's been 10 years, God. I pray that, God, whatever it is, you bring it to our memory right now that we need to go back and fix. And, God, this week, God, the next week or two, God, it'd be done. We'd take care of it, Jesus. God, I pray for us. God, if there's anybody in this room that's been a quitter, God, they just quit. And, God, they've just been beat down so much over the last year. They just felt like quitting. Or, or God, maybe they have quit. Or maybe they're on the verge of quitting. God, I pray that this morning you just give them that boost. For this year, God, I know that, that life's been hard. I know the economy's been hard. I really, As I was praying, I really feel like there's somebody in this room that literally the economy's been so hard on you that literally you, you've lost, you're, you're, you're losing jobs, you're about to lose a job, I don't know what it is. I just felt like you, you're in that situation where you just have no hope. You know what? And you're about to quit. Don't quit on God. He's the only one that can bail you out of it, really. Yeah. Let me tell you, He's the only one that can provide for you. It's not, man doesn't provide for me. God provides for me. God, I pray that we wouldn't be quitters on you. God, I pray that at the end of our lives, God, however long we get to live, God, even no matter how old we are, God, maybe if there's some people in this room that maybe they're a little older and they're thinking, well, I made so many mistakes. I've lived so long where I've not done right, God. I just got too many regrets. I can't fix it. You know what? Let's start trying. 
Let's start the process of uh, living the rest of our life without regrets. God, wherever we're at, God, let's begin to fix what we can. God, let's live the rest of our life the best we can for you, Jesus. God, let's like, make every moment count. God, I want God, I want to get to heaven, and God, you say, well done, good and faithful servant. God, that's what I want to hear from you. God, we love you today. God, I know Lake House Church, they love you. God, they're doing their best to serve you. God, I pray just a blessing over us as we go into 2011. God, I pray that, God, you would just bless us above and beyond, God, what we could ever imagine. God, I pray that, that income would come to us, oh God, that finances would come to us, God, that, that God, purity would come to us. God, I pray that, God, that men in this room would be leaders of their household, oh God, that they would get up early and pray, oh God. God, I pray that they would lead their family, God, the way you've called them to lead, oh God. I pray that the women would come alongside their husbands and support them, oh God. For those that are single, God, I pray that you would just help them stay pure until the day they get married, oh God. I just pray the favor of the Lord on us this year, God. I pray that, God, we would, God, we would have the best lives. When people walk in this room and they see us, God, we may, we may not have everything together, but God, people look at us and they just see the love of Jesus that we have because we're doing our best to serve you, God. God, let that be so for us. God, I love you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.